names. Or maybe she covers it, she's locations. Value. Poor Jonathan. Ah, color texture major. I haven't slept like in a week. Yeah, I guess firstly, I should probably apologize to Jonathan. Aesthetics <laughs> <laughs> So Jonathan was up until, we were both up until, what? One one thirty. Our disposal went out, which is which, super key. Which I replaced. It took like half an hour, forty five minutes. Uh huh. But while he was under there, I thought we could use a new sink faucet too, kitchen sink faucet, because ours was leaking a little bit. So I thought, if you're under there, you're working. Let's just kill two birds with one stone, right? Not true. Nah. Not true. That was that. That was intense last night. But we problem solved that, Jonathan. We worked together. Look at you, Jan. We worked together. <laughs> and we overcame that. It, it but it took two of us. It did take two we of us. We had to. And a lot of and, tools. And a hacksaw. <laughs> and, a, and what was it? A sawzap. A reciprocating saw, yeah. Yeah, and we just. But we did it. We did it right. Yeah, it's done. It's not done. The saws not keep the girls away? No. 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 No, our girls didn't sleep through it. No, it's not quite finished yet. We ran into two snafus right at the end of the night. One of the water lines wasn't long enough. Supply line. Supply line was too short. And then the hole that was drilled in the granite for the soap dispenser is too small. So we have to have someone come out and drill that because we don't trust ourselves. I don't think so. Not for drilling granite. We're not there yet. I don't want to chip and crack. We're not there yet in the home improvement game. But the faucet's beautiful, it's wonderful, and the disposal is quiet. Super quiet. And, I mean, what else could you ask for? <laughs> Sleep. <laughs> but, but Jonathan will do it for me, and that's what I love about Jonathan. All right. What I love about Jonathan, he does plumbing. So, welcome to another episode <laughs> of Gem Junkies. I'm Brecken. And I'm Jonathan. And today we get to talk about... Turquoise. So we had a request to talk about turquoise, which is a gemstone that I love, actually. Yeah, it is. I mean, I love them all. The traditional gemstone for December. December. It's Jonathan's birthday and the 20s birthday. Yeah. So I'm also angling for some turquoise jewelry. Of course you are. Um, So it got its name from the French term Pierre Torx, which means Turkish stone. And that's because Turkish traders introduced it to Europe via the Silk Road in the 13th century. And it is an opaque, like robin's egg blue gemstone. In its best qualities. In its best quality, yeah. The the colors range, and we'll get to that. Um, But it's one of the world's oldest gemstones. We find it in tombs and burials dating back to 3000 BC. Yeah. So over 5,000 5, years. years ago. Um, it's pretty amazing. And it was used not just in one location, but across the globe. So ancient Egyptians used it. Think King Tut's burial mask, probably one of the most famous archaeological finds, is covered with inlaid turquoise. Uh, Chinese artisans would carve it. And even in the Americas, Apaches believed that when you attached it to a hunter's bow it would increase your accuracy. So it's been known the world over as a good luck stone. And it would protect you from danger. 
Right. So it would, so the theory or the thought behind it is it would warn its owners by breaking. So if something bad was going to happen, it would break. Hmm. It would also color change to warn you of an impending, impending illness. So if you're going to get sick, the stone's going to turn dark. And there is a reason for that. So we'll get to that later when we talk about color. But in, in one tale, a man believed he had broken his bone. He heard a loud crack, boom, thought he broke his bone. I would imagine if you really did break your bone, you'd also have a searing pain. You'd think so. You'd think so. But he discovered later, later, down the line, that it was actually his turquoise that made the cracking sound and took that injury in his place. Crazy. It is. It. They. Uh, it's an ancient tradition to affix... Uh, turquoise to the bridle of a horse as well to protect the horse and yourself from falls. Right. So lots of lots of fun there. But the the one thing I do love about turquoise too is a lot of what we hear about gemstone lore is based in Europe or Asia. But right. turquoise you have a lot of lore from the Americas. Yeah. So the And from Persia and mm-hmm. that area. I counted that as like Europe and Asia. Oh, okay. Persia. Yeah. Persia. Asia. It's Iran. Yeah, it's in the middle. Yeah. But what I was... <laughs> but... <laughs> but, so, history and lore from the Americas is kind of cool, too. Uh, the Aztecs believed that their god, uh, Quetzalcoatl taught them the art of cutting and polishing turquoise, and chiefs would wear beads to signify their status in the tribe. And if you were an important person in their society, you were buried with it in your mouth. It was so important that when Cortez, the Spanish conquistador, arrived in the New World, Montezuma, thinking that he was the god Quetzalcoatl, gave him turquoise as a gift. Um, um, the Apaches loved it. Shamans wore the stones. They had a belief that you could find it at the end of the rainbow. So after a rainbow appeared, you could go search in the damp soil, um, and the earth would give you a turquoise. It was also used as currency between Native American tribes. So all this, it's a, it's a stone of joy and hope, I think due to the color too. Yeah. The, the sky blue. It kind of reminds you of the summer, the spring, with the robin's eggs blue and the blue summer sky as we're transitioning into fall and yeah. missing the lazy days of summer. Yeah, they well, that's why they in, in Persia they put it also on the on the temples, on the ceiling, because it was supposed to be part of heaven on earth. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah, and I, I like that, that it's supposed to protect you from unnatural death. So natural death, no problem. You're done. <laughs> it's not going to help you at all, but unnatural death is what, what is like an like a stabbing or something because I I know they used it to decorate their sword handles and yeah. what's an uh, I mean illness would be a natural death. Well, wouldn't it be from like spirits and magic would oh, be unnatural? I guess so. Maybe. I don't know. Protection I just that's, I just when I read that I was like that's interesting. It is. Unnatural death. Yeah. All right. So 
that's the lore. That's yeah. kind of the fun stuff about turquoise and what 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 the ancient people believed. Um, let's talk about what turquoise is. It's okay. only found in a few places on Earth, and it has to be dry. Yeah, arid. It has to be barren. <laughs> dry and barren. And it has to have acidic, copper-rich groundwater that seeps down through the soil and reacts with minerals that contain phosphorus and aluminum. Right. Because it's a hydrated phosphate of copper and aluminum. Mm-hmm. That's what turquoise is. So it's a sedimentary process, and that results in your semi-translucent to opaque gemstone that is porous. Very porous. Very porous. So uh, where is it found today? Uh, today, mostly in the United States. Yes. Yeah, New so Mexico, Arizona. It's your number one producer. I think the most famous mine would have to be the... Sleeping, Sleeping Beauty, Beauty Mine yeah. in Globe, Arizona. I mean, what Which a... Which is no longer producing. It's not, but what a beautiful name for a mine. The yeah. Sleeping Beauty Mine. Sleeping Beauty. It's a good mine name. It is. It uh, is. Today, China is actually... Uh, China actually produces the most top quality... Right. Top quality turquoise. Uh, your ancient sources were, again, Persia, Iran now, where you get that top quality color, Persian blue... Um, and it's found other well, places. <laughs> a, a lot of places that have copper. Yeah. So if it has copper, a lot of times it's a byproduct, but... Oh, right. It's a byproduct of mining copper a lot. Yeah. You can find it around copper mines. Yeah. Even in Utah, which there's a big copper mine in Kennecott. Utah. Well, Ken- I guess it's not Kennecott anymore. No, it's not... Well, it's... It, it's Rio Tinto? Rio Tinto owns it, but it's known as Kennecott mm-hmm. Mine, but it's actually... that's. Not even the name of it. We know it because we could see it from our... We went to the University of Utah, and across the valley, you can see the huge Kennecott copper mine. Yeah. But it it seems like, even though it's a byproduct, it seems like the the way that they mine for copper is very different than how you have to mine for turquoise. Mm -hmm. So it kind of sounds like you have to do one or the other. You can't really just do both. How do you mine for... What's the difference? I did from what it sounds like, because like where the um, Sleeping Beauty mine is, they're mm-hmm. still mining copper, but they're not mining any turquoise. turquoise. Well, so I think maybe you destroy all the turquoise when you're right because it's soft, yeah, and it's super porous, so yeah, it so probably crumbles when you're trying to trying to mine for copper. Right. So it's it's five to six on the hardness scale, and that's part of what the very best turquoise is a six, which is just harder than glass. Yeah. Jeez. And it's used, that's why they use it a lot in carvings. Yeah. It's, it's really for great carving. for carvings it's for because it's, it's easy to carve. It's not a hard gemstone. So value factors for turquoise. What makes, you know, what makes something the best turquoise? Um, Obviously color number one. Yeah. You have color, texture, and the presence or absence of the matrix. So color, your most prized color is an intense medium blue. Like a robin's egg blue. (laughs) Like a robin's egg blue. Uh, It also comes in a greenish blue color, uh, avocado, or lime green color. Avocado. What a nice way of saying ugly brownish green. Yeah. (laughs) Avocados are so delicious, though. So I can't equate anything avocado ugly. (laughs) But it's it's true. What a nice way to call ugly turquoise. So when we were at GIA and we were going through our opaque stone wheel trying to identify those stones... One of the most difficult stones for me to identify 
was an avocado colored turquoise. Oh. I do you remember that stone? Tricky. It was tricky, and I kept going. What the heck is this thing? Because it was green, and I never equated turquoise, turquoise with, with being that green that color. Green. I yeah. always thought it would have some blue component, but not necessarily. Not necessarily. And it can be kind of a yellowish green too. Yeah. Yeah. And with this, like any other gemstone, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Some people prefer that greenish blue color. Um, the good green, for them. Good for them. <laughs> it is cheaper. <laughs> the green is due to the presence of iron. Right. Um, blue is due to the presence of copper. copper. And blue equals more valuable, like Jonathan said. Another important color factor is that the color is evenly distributed across the surface of the gemstone. So it's not mottled or spotted. There's no splotches. Right. Which can detract nice, smooth color. from the overall beauty of the gemstone. Right? Very much so. Did you know that some color some color in turquoise is unstable? Yeah, it can it can fade. No. No? It can darken. Darken. Yeah. Untreated light blue cabochons. It's still a fade, by the way. Is it a fade? You fade in or fade out. Fade to black. Oh my gosh. You just blew my mind. (laughs) So it's still fading. All right. So it fades to dark. (laughs) Yeah. Right? Technically. I guess technically. either way. Technically, you win this argument, Jonathan. All right. I'm not trying to win. (laughs) (laughs) So they might gradually darken over time. Now, ancients believed that this was a mood stone, that it would reflect the wearer's mood at the time. Like if the gemstone darkened, it was because you were mad. Um, But porosity, the porosity of the gemstone can also affect color change. So if you have acidity, if you you have acidic skin, Mm -hmm. it can cause that color change. Yeah, the more porous the stone is, the more foreign matter the stone can absorb, which will spoil the color, like perfumes. And that's why sometimes skin. they wax them. Mm-hmm. So texture, yep, texture now is another, um, texture is another value indicator. So when we, we talk about um, turquoise, it's a crypto-crystalline aggregate. So basically, it's a bunch of microscopic crystals that are all together. Right. And if the crystals are really close together... Get a nice, smooth, even surface. Yeah. Finer texture, less porous. It gives you a waxy luster. If the crystals are a little bit looser, it's more porous, coarser texture, dull luster. Right. And a lot of those gemstones are like what you said, treated. Treated. Yeah. Uh, and the last value factor would be matrix. Right. So sometimes you get what's called spider web veining, mm-hmm. and that can actually increase the value. It can be very attractive. Whereas if you have like uneven color that's just modeled, that obviously goes very low. Mm-hmm. But if you take that same thing and you add spider web veining to it, <laughs> suddenly the value goes up. Yeah. So. Um, so deposit. So turquoise deposits typically form in limonite, which gives you the dark brown markings or the spider vein, or sandstone, which gives you tan markings. Most often, your matrix will lower the value, uh, but some buyers prefer matrix in the spider web veining. And that's a lot of the material that comes out of Nevada is mm-hmm. known for its spiderweb veining. It gives a really nice contrast 
the dark veining to the really bright blue. Yeah. It, it's it gives really, it a pretty. really pretty yeah. look. So top quality, of course, would be no matrix. No matrix, no veining, straight Robin Tate's blue. Yeah, but the second would be an attractive spider web. Yes. Um, treatments. You want to talk about gemstone or the treatments? Well, I think the most common is, is, is the waxing of stones, and that's to get it a more even surface and also seal the stone so you don't get the color change. Those yeah, are the two, so it, it the, improves the color, the luster, it increases durability, and it's relatively stable. And this is done for quite some time. You just soak it in melted wax, and it seeps into the pores of the gemstones. And it can seal out, you know, cosmetics, sweat, grease, all that good stuff that can change the color of your turquoise. Now, a lot of what you see on the market today is uh, currently Palmer impregnated turquoise, or known as stabilized turquoise. Right. Either bonded or stabilized. And so that's just a plastic polymer that they use to coat the surface of of the stone. It's very stable, very durable, increases durability, uh, lessens porosity, all that good stuff. Uh, You can also dye turquoise. Mm-hmm. But it because it is a porous stone, but it's not common because it looks unnatural. It looks unnatural, and it also it can uh, it can fade or even rub off on the wear. Yeah, so you could <sighs> dye your shirt blue because your turquoise is dyed. Well, typically, it won't see on your shirt; it'll see on, on your skin. <laughs> on your skin, it'll just leave it'll into your skin. turn you into a smurf. It will, uh, but you know what? They also use black shoe polish on turquoise to create uh, the matrix veining. Oh. They can use it. Obviously, it's not interesting. Stable. Yeah, black shoe polish on your gemstone. Silliness. And then we can talk about Uri Constitution, which is kind of our lead-in before we get to synthetics and imitations. Are you talking about the Zachary method? Uh, no, we're the reconstitution. I I don't know if that's is that the Zachary method, the reconstitution. Where it's the it's no, considered we, the most extreme of treatment reconstitutions, where fragments of fine turquoise material that's too small to be used individually, they're powdered down and then bonded with resin to form a solid mass. No, I think that's so that's not the Zachary. reconstructed turquoise. Yeah, reconstructed reconstitution no. reconstructed. No, the Zachary method is its own mysterious thing. Okay. Tell us about the Zachary method. Even the GIA is really not sure what happens. So in the 1980s, the Zachary method was introduced as a treatment for turquoise. Okay. It had better color, less porosity. It took a better polish. And up to this date, it is very stable. But how does it happen? We don't know. Even the person that invented this isn't quite sure what happens to the gemstones while this process is going on. And who created this, Mr. Zachary? I would guess so. <laughs> test, so G- the GIA was like, let's test this and see what's going on. So they performed tests, and the only thing that they noted was that Zachary-treated gems, turquoise, contained much more potassium than untreated turquoise. So, but why? Bananas. But how? So it's... <laughs> Instead of wax, they yeah. use bananas. It's really hard to it's really hard to detect, but there are some clues. You could get color concentration and fractures, um, and the color, while being a very attractive robin's eggs blue, can look slightly unnatural. Hmm. Um, the best way to determine is to send it to a lab 
Okay. I can tell you. And then the very last. I think the very last treatment would be backing, which is some of the finer turquoise material. It's too thin to stand on its own, so they turn it basically into a doublet. Oh, a doublet. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. So so yeah, sometimes it's they're they're termed as backed rather than I don't know why they don't call them doublets like in every other stone, but they call them backed. And uh, so it's it's very common in the southwest of the U.S. And native people have even done it. it a lot of indigenous people used to do that. And uh, they use everything from uh, some of the early backing materials included casings of old Model T batteries, old phonograph records, and then more recently they've been using epoxy steel resins. Yeah, isn't that crazy? That is cool. Model T batteries and old phonograph records is backing. Wow. What are they going to get their hands on? I guess. So, moving to synthetics. Synthetics. So, that's like reconstituted or reconstructed turquoise. So, that's where they take the powdered minerals. Sometimes they dye them. Bond them together with plastic or epoxy resin. And then you get turquoise. But that's not really... Okay. Or synthetic turquoise. Yeah. No veining. Just robin's egg blue. Um, and then an imitation stone, which I always wondered why it wasn't valued for what it was in, it, in, in the first place, is halite. Right, but it's dyed. Yeah, so halite is naturally white. white or dark gray. And it has beautiful spiderweb veining yep. in it. But they dye it blue to imitate turquoise. Same with magnesite. Yeah, but why don't they just... Because halite is not a very common gemstone. It's found in a few places in the U.S. Why not just appreciate it as halite? Because there's no market for it. Who knows what it is? Yeah, because it's called halite. Halite. Ooh, we're getting ready for Halloween. That's exciting. Uh, Halite for Halloween. There you go. Uh, So the... The uh, the market for turquoise, it's turquoise is pretty available. The supply yeah. is there, the the demand's also there. There's a large market for it uh, in the southwest, kind of tourist tourist jewelry set in silver. Then there is in the same southwest market another market for a more higher end turquoise. Uh, I love those. I think they're coming back in style too. The 1970s squash blossom. Necklaces that are all the turquoise, uh, kind of a Native American motif. Yeah, they're they're super cool. And then there's another market which is vintage vintage turquoise um, estate pieces. I remember my the first time I went to this, I never appreciated turquoise for what it was. Right, I always just saw it in, in inexpensive silver jewelry. I went to the Smithsonian and there was a necklace. That belonged to Marie Antoinette that was turquoise with diamonds. And then I was like, if it's good enough for Marie, <laughs> it's good enough for me. <laughs> but it was highly prized in the Victorian era and used in a lot of beautiful uh, Victorian estate pieces. Let's so see. there is a market for that as well. What's the episode title? What? If it's good enough for Marie, it's good enough for me. For Reagan. <laughs> so, uh, but that wraps up turquoise, unless there's anything else you want to add. We don't do a lot in turquoise. We do not. 
Um, maybe we should look into it. I think it would be beautiful paired with um, opal. Opal. Yeah, it could go with boulder pretty well. It could go with Especially boulder. Especially your bluer boulders and yeah. you use an accent stone. I do have a, a matched pair of loose 18 by 13 millimeter turquoise sitting on my desk today. Yeah. I pulled them You've aside. You've had those forever. I, I pulled them aside when the, the twins were born. And, well, I thought it was really odd that we just had these really big matched pairs of turquoise. But I guess we used to use it a lot in inlay. Yeah. Yeah, we used to we used to do some some turquoise. We've done turquoise off and on. You know, my dad, if he sees anything pretty, he just grabs it. He'll buy it. So I we forget about it, and then I scuttlebutt it away into my box in the vault, and no, but and it gets lost forever. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if that was Sleeping Beauty. It is Sleeping Beauty. It is. Yeah, it's okay. not Sleeping Beauty. It is impregnated as well, though. Oh, it is. Yeah. Okay, it's no. not natural. No, it's not untreated. It is natural. Yes, it's, it's natural, not but untreated. not untreated. Right. Yeah. That's what I meant. Uh, but no veining, no anything. It's a really yeah. beautiful blue color. Yeah. So, but we might have to shop around Tucson. We might troll around Tucson and find some some turquoise to play with. Sounds like a plan. One more project. One yeah. more project. Jonathan gets to go shopping with me in Tucson for the full year. amount of time. Yeah. yeah. Usually nice. we have we have a trade show Centurion, which happens to be the weekend before the AGTA show begins in Tucson. And usually when we're trolling around Tucson is that weekend before checking things out, seeing what's on the market, picking up some Peridot. Still on my list. Um, but Jonathan usually has to work that trade show, so he only gets to shop with Paul and I for a day. Half a day. Half a day. Yeah. It's quick. It's real quick. But this time the Centurion show is the weekend prior, so Jonathan gets to spend the full amount of time trolling around the shows. Awesome. Yeah, maybe we'll take you to that one show that was terrible. Terrible. Just, Why would you do just that? so you could get the full experience. I've been to plenty of terrible shows. <laughs> I'll pass. Thanks. All right. So, Turquoise is a wrap. Yeah. Um, Thanks for listening to another episode of Gem Junkies. Yeah, thank you so much for listening. We do appreciate you and everything you do for us. If you have any questions, or comments, please write us. You can message us on Instagram or email us at gemjunkies at parleygems.com. If you want to see what we do in real life, you can always follow us on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook at Parley Gems. Uh, thank you once again. I'm Brecken. And Jonathan. And we'll talk to you later. Bye-bye.